We're going to start with our uh, scripture reading uh, this morning. And so uh, John chapter 2, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. He poured over the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables, and he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Let's stop there and we'll ask the Lord's blessing on our time. Lord, we do thank you. We thank you for allowing us together on the first day of the week uh, to uh, remember that you uh, died for us, but you didn't stay dead. Uh, you came back to life. Lord, as we are uh, followers of Jesus Christ, as we are disciples of Jesus Christ, we pray that we would be able to learn again uh, some lessons from you this morning as we think about you discipling your disciples. And so, Lord, help us to be able to take some things away from our passage today to be able to apply those things uh, to our lives that we might be better followers of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that you would meet with us today. Use your word as you see fit in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, uh, we looked at the wedding of Canaan. And so that is, if you remember, that is Jesus' first miracle, his first miracle. And this first lesson uh, to his disciples was really about priorities, all right? What should be our first priority. And though, although he loved his mother Mary, his first priority was to obey his heavenly father. And so that's exactly uh, what he did. And really, as you, as you look at his life, uh, that's what he did over and over and over again. Matter of fact, I'm reminded, and now I'm getting off of my notes and that's okay, but I'm reminded that Jesus Christ, as he was there, praying before he went to the cross, what did he pray? Lord, if this cup could pass, yet not my will, but thy will be done. May your will be done. And that was really the heart of Christ. And, and we see that from the very first opportunity that Christ has to teach his disciples. He has this opportunity to change water into wine, and he doesn't just jump at it. Instead, really, he makes it known that really the ultimate authority in his life is not his mother, but instead his ultimate authority is his heavenly father. And so last week we learned that we also need to have proper priorities as Christians. That it is so easy to get our focus on, on people or things in this world and to miss the opportunity to really serve the Lord and follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. And so the very first lesson that Jesus taught his disciples was who to love. That priority there, who am I to love first? Today we're going to look at Jesus' second lesson to his disciples. And here Jesus is about to identify the enemy. That is, those who say they love God, 
but instead they really love themselves and they take advantage of others. And so what we're going to see today is really this idea of proper worship. These people outside of, of, of the temple say that they're there to worship the Lord, but Jesus really identifies what they're truly after, which is simply to make a quick buck. And so we're going to be looking at that idea, the, the idea of not only what do we love, and, and uh, really when we, when we look at Jesus' life, there were many times where he showed love and, and, and he healed people. But what we're going to look at today is when he shows anger, holy anger, godly anger, because of some things that are happening that really were not the right thing, really was not honoring to the Lord. So the very first thing that we're going to do, uh, we're going to set the stage like we did last week. All right, so we're going to set the stage. And remember, Jesus Christ is, he now has uh, some disciples. Now, he doesn't have all his disciples yet, okay? So uh, we're used to thinking about the disciples as the 12 disciples. This is still very, very early. Matter of fact, this is prior uh, to really Jesus Christ uh, seeing those fishermen and calling those uh, fishermen to follow me. And yet he still has some followers, uh, some disciples that are, are learning from him. So this is very, very early in his, his ministry. Not all the 12 disciples are there yet, but he's, he's really teaching just a small group of men uh, that are following him. So we see this in verse 13. And the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. All right, so the very first thing that we need to understand is the Passover. Now, the Passover was one of three pilgrimage festivals uh, in which all the Jews were to travel to Jerusalem. All right. And so they all traveled to Jerusalem uh, to worship the Lord uh, there at the temple. This is one of three. Okay, so this is a very, very special time. What is the background of the Passover? Well, the Passover is actually remembering that the fact that Jesus showed his power and his might by bringing Israel out of Egypt. And so if you remember, uh, the, the, the uh, Jews, they were enslaved in Egypt. And God wanted them to come out and, and worship him. And so remember, who did he send? He sent, sent Moses. Moses went before Pharaoh and said what? God says, let my people go, or the great I am says, let my people go. And, and Pharaoh says no, and so there is plague after plague after plague. And after each plague, uh, Pharaoh's like, okay, I, I think this is going to be it. And then he goes, no, 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 I'm not going to let my, pe- I'm not going to let the people go. And there's a very last plague, and it is the Passover plague. And so we see the words of, of God. This comes from Exodus chapter 12. We can say this is the first Passover that the Israel remembered year after year after year after year. So this is in Exodus chapter 12. And we're not going to look at the whole Passover. Um, if, if you want to go back, write this down. Exodus chapter 12. It really starts in verse 1 and goes uh, through this chapter. But we're just going to look at verses 12 and 13. And the words of God says this. I will pass to the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beasts, and all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, 
and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, they were told, Israel was told to take a lamb and to sacrifice that lamb and take that blood and put it on the door, on the sides of the door and above the top of the door and actually to eat that lamb. And God says, you know what? As I am going through, when I see that blood there on that door, I will pass over and the plague will not uh, harm you. So this is, the, this is what they are remembering when, they, when we recall the Passover. Really, this is one time in Israel's uh, history that they would look back over and over again. And this really highlighted God's power. Because what God was doing for, for Israel is he was showing them over and over again with all of these plagues that there might be other gods in the world that think they are comparable or they try to be on the same level as the God of Israel. And what God was doing is he was showing Israel there is no God that is on the same level as me. And so he does a number of plagues to show that he is truly the God of God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He is the master of all. And so Israel looked back every year at this very special time. And so in the Old Testament, the Passover was a picture of God's power and might, something that they celebrated every year. Now, in the New Testament, we don't see this. We don't see Christians gathering together to celebrate the Passover. But we do look back as Christians to something very special. And so as we think about the Passover, Israel looked back to how God freed them from Egypt. But we do something pretty regularly in our Christian churches called communion. And communion is actually a reminder of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Now, as Christians, we were not freed from Egypt. But we were freed from our sin. And we were freed from the wrath because of our sin, so the judgment because of our sin. And so whereas Israel looked back to God's hand and said, God, you freed us from Egypt, us as Christians, we look back to, to the cross. As a matter of fact, Christ said, do this in remembrance of me. And so just as Israel looked back to the Passover, we look back to the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, through the ordinance of communion. So for us as Christians, we're not freed from Egypt, but we are freed from sin and its consequences. So I, I'm painting this, this, this picture for us because I want us to understand that the Passover was not just another celebration. All right. This is different than the wedding that just happened. This is a very special time for Israel. The Passover was very special. And so we see as, as, as Jesus Christ is, is coming up, now he's in Jerusalem, he's coming up to the temple, and this is what he sees. And in the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. So apparently priests are now vendors in the Gentile courtyard. Here's a, here's a picture of Herod's temple. Herod rebuilt, rebuilt the temple. This area right over here, um, there would have been uh, just, just a handful of people that wouldn't have been able to enter that area. 
Um, this would have been the side where uh, the ladies uh, came to worship. And then all the way around, all the way around it, divided by this wall here, this was a barrier, uh, everything outside of that was to be a place where people came and they prayed and they meditated and they evangelized. They told people about the one true God of Israel. Now, these stalls, these, these money changers, they're all set up in this area right here outside of the temple. So they're not quite inside the temple, but they're part of that temple surrounding. They're inside the, the courts there. And so here they are. They are selling things. Now, Christ immediately knew that this was not to take place. Because imagine with me today, and, and let's imagine that we are Christ's disciples and that we are walking up, and what would be some of the things that we would see? What are the, some of the things that we would hear? What are some of the smells that we would have if all of these stalls were set up with all of these animals? See, this was really supposed to be a sacred place, a place set aside for the Lord. But instead, what we see is that the priests have really changed it into a common place that was no longer used for prayer and meditation and evangelism, but instead it was really made or changed into a place to make a quick buck. And so why? Why, was, why did they set this up? Why did they change over and, and uh, really become kind of vendors around uh, the temple here. Well, that's because people would have to travel far to be able to come, or some people at least, would have to travel far for the Passover, and that would make bringing animals very difficult. All right, it would be one thing. Now, we're not talking about like today where I say, oh, I just threw the dog in the back seat and I drove across country and it was great. That's not what we're talking about. All right, bringing these type of animals in just traveling period would have been very difficult. And so what was happening is they had set up these stalls outside and they were selling what you needed to come and worship the Lord, but they were inflating the price. If I could give this illustration, it's like buying food within an amusement park. You know, when you go outside, it always seems to be a lot cheaper than when you buy inside. And why? Because that amusement park knows they got you and you're thirsty and you're hungry, and you're willing to pay those prices. And that's what's happening here. Really, the people that are out there in their, their little stalls selling these animals are taking advantage of their brothers and sisters. Those that have traveled a long distance, those that were not able to bring their own animals, and they're taking advantage of those people. And so what is the problem? Well, first of all, this was to be a place of prayer and meditation and evangelism of the Gentiles. It was supposed to be a sacred place. It was turned into a common place. The second thing that is wrong with this is that Israel was not supposed to take advantage of one another. And yet here we find they are taking advantage of one another. So two things are a problem. So what did Jesus do? Well, we see this in verse 15. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. 
he poured out the coin of the money changers and overturned their tables. This is a type of whip that would be used, or a similar whip at least, that would drive large animals. So this is not just like, uh, I don't know, he he wasn't playing games here. Uh, What Jesus Christ was doing was very serious. He was using a whip to drive people and their animals away from the temple. And then he turns over those money changers tables. Now, what was that? Well, uh, you also had to uh, give a little bit to the Lord. And so what people would have to do is if they came with the wrong type of currency, they couldn't give the wrong type of currency to to the Lord or to the temple. So what they would do is they would exchange, just like we would if we went to another country, we would exchange money. If we came with American dollars and we're going going to Canada, we'd probably just use our American dollars in Canada. They'd be happy to take our American dollars. But you can exchange your money and get some Canadian money and use it that way. Now for this... They were really exchanging money, and then they would tax you. And so, again, they were taking advantage of people. They knew that they needed the right type of money for this Passover. And so they said, we'll give you the right type of money. We'll exchange our money for your money, but we're going to charge you a little bit. Again, they were really... Uh, doing the wrong thing with their people. And so the Lord pours out that money as well, and he overturns those tables as well, realizing that this should not be taking place as people come for the Passover, as people come to worship the Lord. Now imagine the disciples. The disciples, they have been following Jesus. They've seen him laugh. They've seen him pray. They've seen him show a love to people around him. They've seen his miracles, but for the first time, they are observing Jesus in holy anger. He is whipping people, getting them out. He is overturning their table. These men outside the, ta- uh, outside the temple, they were not there to pray and to meditate. They were there to take advantage of their brothers and sisters. And Jesus was not going to let that stand. Now, when Jesus did this, he made some enemies. Matter of fact, we see this in uh, the very next verse. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. And what Jesus Christ was communicating to his disciples and to those people there is really God is at the center of worship. God is at the center of worship. And today in our culture, we we look towards a lot of things uh, to be the center of worship. Matter of fact, there's, there, there are some individuals, some Christians, that they will choose a church based upon a certain thing that makes them feel good. And unfortunately, sometimes we lose the focus. We begin to think that church is about me and how I feel. But really, the center of worship is not about me and how I feel. But really, the center of worship ought to be about the Lord. Now, is it okay to not go to a church like Wilton Bible Church? Of course it is. 
All right. So I'm not saying that everyone should only come to churches like Wilson Bible Church. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is whatever church we find ourselves in, we ought to make sure that our priority is that we are worshiping the Lord within that church. And so that's what we find here. And this is what really Jesus is is trying to teach his disciples and really teach these people as he's driving them out that God is the center of worship. These men began to think that, you know what, I can make a quick dime. They say that they're there to worship the Lord, but really they're there to just make a quick buck. Years ago, I remember receiving a a little cross in the mail, and maybe you guys received a little cross in the mail as well. And so it was like a, I don't know, it was about a cross about this big. I think it was like a little silver cross. I should say silver in color. They did not send me a silver cross in the mail. And uh, that cross had a little story attached to it, and it talked about how the fact that uh, we have prayed over this cross, and this cross will, will bring you uh, blessings. And so hold on to this cross, but then at the bottom of the letter, they asked me to make a donation so that they could send out more crosses to people so that they too could be blessed. Now, when I looked at that letter, I did not think to myself, here's God's blessing they sent me in the mail. When I looked at that letter, I thought, what they're looking for is they're looking for a donation to that. They're going to give me something, and they want me to give them something. And really, that's what we're talking about here, this idea of of the center of worship being making a quick buck. So what does that mean for us today? Does that mean that we can't can't have a Christian school because we receive money? No, that's not what it means. That means that maybe we shouldn't pass the offering plates because we receive money. No, that's not what it means. I'll tell you what it means. If you came in today and we rented you a nicer chair, we had first class and we had economy. And the first class had the leg room and the space. You got to sit in the new chairs. And the economy, you guys were all stuffed in the back of the auditorium, which is probably where most of you would want to sit anyways. So maybe we'll have you sit up front. We'll put the first class in the back. And... um, Then we made you pay for that. And then you're probably going to need a hymnal to sing. But that's okay. We're going to rent that to you so that you can sing along with us. And, oh, by the way, we're going to have communion today. Oh, did you forget to bring your juice and your wafer? Don't worry. We're selling it right in the foyer. You can pick it up as you come in. That is actually the idea that we have represented here, that these people are coming to worship the Lord. In a very sacred and important time, again, what is Passover is remembering how God conquered all of these gods and freed God's people from Egypt. And this is something that they're remembering. And here they come to worship. People go, oh, yeah, you forgot your animal. Oh, I'll sell you one. It's going to be a little bit more expensive than at home. We got a special tax going on here. Oh, you don't have the right type of money. That's okay. I'll swap you some money. I'll trade you, but it's going to cost you. And he began to really gouge people who are just coming to worship the Lord. Again, now you can see why Jesus does what he does. Because really the center of worship 
should be God, but just slightly the center of worship had changed. It became more about finances and money rather than about worship. And really, worship is about the Lord. And I I know this sounds very basic. It's like, well, of course, worship is about the Lord. But how quickly we can, as disciples, shift our eyes and our priorities away from the Lord and onto something else. And I say that because it happens all the time. It happens for pastors and for church leaders and for deacons and for new Christians and for seasoned Christians. Sometimes we begin to shift our priority to something else. I mean, it's nice to have a well-kept building. It's nice to be able to follow a budget. It's nice to have buddies at church. But that's not the real reason why we should be at church. All right, those all of those things should be perks that we have heat on today and that you have comfy chairs uh, to sit in. Those things should be perks. Instead, worship is truly about the Lord. God is the center of worship and worship is about the Lord. Let's continue here in verse 17. And the disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Now, this is the first time, this is at really at the very beginning of, of Jesus' ministry. Remember, as, as we're given the timeline here, uh, Jesus does not have the 12 disciples yet. This is really just in the pre-stages of, of his earthly ministry, and we find him cleansing the temple. He does that again at the end of his ministry. And so with the triumphal entry, he goes into Jerusalem, he goes to the temple, and again, he finds the same thing happening. And again, he does the same thing. He runs off these people that are are really trying to make a quick buck. And so we see this uh, in Matthew 21, that that second time that he does this. And then he entered Jerusalem, and the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? So this is the triumphal entry. And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. All right, so again here, at the beginning of his ministry and then at the end of his ministry, both times he could not overlook what was happening around the temple. And so he did, um, he did what he knew was the right thing to do. And so he says this in verse 13. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, and you have made it a den of robbers. People were taking advantage of one another, and Jesus said, that is not to be so. And so Jesus made some enemies the first time. The second time, his enemies plotted to kill him. And so that really goes back to verse 17. Zeal for your house will consume me. And so he stood for what was right, even if it wasn't well received. Uh, He knew that was the best thing to do. And so Jesus chose the best way. And choosing the right way does not mean that it's going to be the easiest way. Sometimes we like to think that. 
following after Jesus Christ, following in his footsteps, honoring the Lord with my life should be the easiest way. That's what we would think. But unfortunately, we forget that the world is going one way. And in a busy mall or in a busy amusement park, when all the traffic is going one way and you are going the opposite way, it becomes very challenging. The same thing is true in this world. The world might be going this way, following after the the desires of their hearts. And we as Christians ought to be following after Jesus Christ. When we are going against the flow, things are going to be difficult. They're not going to be easier. Floating around like a jellyfish is easy. Swimming up a river is difficult. And so choosing the, right, uh, choosing the right way does not necessarily mean it's the easiest way. And Jesus chose the best way over and over and over again, even though it was not the easiest way. So notice what the Jews say in verse 18. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And, and so really their question is, who gives you permission to do this? Who gave you permission? To, to, to run all of our animals off? Who gave you permission to pour out our money and to flip those tables? Show us a sign that you have permission to do this. And then notice Jesus' response to their question. And he said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now this seems like a kind of an obscure kind of answer. Because Jesus would know that they would immediately think to themselves, since we're here at the temple, that Jesus would think to himself, they're going to think that they, I think, or that what I'm talking about is this temple. But of course, that's not what he meant at all. So why did Jesus say these words? And it was because, again, he was not ready to reveal to everyone who he was. That would come later on in his ministry. Again, he is just starting out. And so he uses some kind of code words. He says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And then we're, we're given some, some more information there. In verse 20, and the Jews said, it has taken 40, uh, 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. So obviously they, they thought to themselves, uh, this guy, uh, I don't know what he's talking about. How could he ever think that he's going to raise up the temple? They were familiar with the temple, but they were not familiar with this idea of the resurrection. And so notice there in, in verse 21, and he was speaking, uh, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. And so Christ is not talking about that physical temple. Instead, Christ was talking about that resurrection his death, burial, and resurrection. In verse 22, when therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. And so what Jesus did is he used some type of obscure idea about a temple being destroyed and raised back up, and he planted a thought in his disciples' head. And, and it may have like been a, a fleeting thought, and they may have kind of scratched their head and said, well, that was, that was kind of strange. I wonder why he was talking about that. And it wasn't until after the resurrection that they went, 
That's what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about this, this temple before us in Jerusalem. He was talking about his resurrection. And this all pointed to the fact that Jesus is our Passover lamb. And so Israel came every year. Uh, they came to sacrifice that lamb and, and, and to, to, to have their sins forgiven and, and to be right with the Lord and to remember what Jesus Christ had done. And again, what is the Passover? Well, when we go back to the original Passover, that, that lamb was to be killed. That blood was to be put on the sides. That means that that lamb would die for that household. But as the angel came through, if the angel saw the blood on the doorpost, he would not kill the firstborn. Instead, that blood covered that home. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. That instead of having to endure God's wrath upon our life, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his blood washes us clean. His blood is applied to our account. Now, when God sees us, he does not see us in our sin as Christians. Instead, he sees us through Jesus Christ, just as that angel would come and he would see that blood and he would see that a lamb had died for that family and he would pass over that family. Well, same thing is true for us as individuals, as Christians. Jesus Christ died in our place so that we too, well, he didn't just die. He was buried and he rose again. And he did that so that we might be right with God because he is our Passover lamb. This is one of the reasons why we worship on Sunday. This is one of the reasons why two, we have two ordinances of the church, both connected to Jesus Christ's death and resurrection because this is fundamental to our faith. If you remove Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, we have no hope. It's not just the death. It's not just the burial. If we don't have a resurrection, we have no hope. And so the church changed their time of worship from Saturday to Sunday because of the resurrection. The reason why we're about to have a baptismal service today and the picture that that's about to show us is because we want to remember, just as Israel remembered the Passover, that Jesus Christ was buried, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again. The same reason why we, we have communion every month. We remember that Jesus Christ hung on the cross, that his blood was emptied out for us so that we might be right with God. Jesus is our Passover lamb. And so what is our takeaway this morning as we come to a close? What is our takeaway? First of all, why are you here today? Are we here because it's tradition? Are we here because our friends are here? Why did we come to Wilton Bible Church today? I hope that you came today to worship the Lord. Why did we put money in the offering plate? Because, Pastor, we got to meet the budget. No, I hope that's not why you put money in the offering plate today. All right, I do want to meet the budget, but that's not the reason why. All right, we put money in the offering plate because God has so graciously given to us. 
when we put money in the offering plate, we give back to the Lord. And so it is also a part of worship. And so why are we here today? If we're here for any other reason than to worship the Lord, we have, we, we have misaligned our worship, our priorities in worship. Really, worship ought to be placed on God, for he is the one that has saved us, and it is his grace through Jesus Christ which covers us. So it's not about pastors, not about leadership, it's not about buildings, and it's not about budgets, all right? Those are some things the churches focus on. Pastors, leaders, buildings, and budgets. That takes up a lot of time. That should not be our primary focus. Those should only be tools and instruments of worship. It should be in the way in which we enjoy this building. That should help us to worship the Lord better, not that we worship the building. Same thing with budgets, all right? It helps us to stay focused. But that is not the priority of Wilton Bible Church. It should not be the priority of Wilton Bible Church. That should be the Lord. And then we need to remember, the best way is not always the easiest way. All right, when we stand up for what is right, when we do what is right, the world will not understand. All right, and that is okay, because we need to do what we believe God wants us to do. And how do we, how do we know what God wants us to do? Well, we spend time with the Lord, all right? We read his word. We get to know him. If we're truly going to be disciples, becoming disciples, making disciples, we need to know what Jesus Christ loved and what he hated or what he got angry about. And today we have seen one thing or one time in which he showed that holy anger, that righteous anger for some things that were not right, some things that uh, he could not put up with. Matter of fact, choosing the right way is not always the easiest way. It's going to be challenging, and this is what Christ said. He said this, and he reminds us as disciples, Matthew 16, 24, when Jesus told his disciples, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, this is, uh, you think about some of the uh, mainstream uh, TV evangelists, if, if, if they said, oh, well, you know what, if you really want to be a good Christian, say no to yourself and take up your cross. Now, the cross was not a picture of something great. The cross was something really bad. And yet, Christ reminds them the main priority should be the Lord. The main priority is not us, but really the main priority is Jesus. It is God. And so we think about that Passover lamb. Following Christ isn't the easiest path, but it is the best path. And lastly, we don't need any more signs. All right. Remember, they said, show us a sign that you have authority to do this. We don't need any other signs other than the resurrection. The resurrection is our sign. It is proof to us as Christians that Jesus is exactly who he said he was, that he truly is the Son of God, that he truly is um, uh, God in human form. And so Jesus is our Passover lamb. When we put our faith in him 
and the work of the cross, um, he frees us from the curse of sin and the punishments uh, that are there. And instead, that punishment passes over us just like that first Passover. So outside of Christ, true worship is not possible. And so may we not get distracted in our ministry, in our families, or in our lives, but may we remember to worship the Lord, choose the best, and trust Christ. May that be our focus. Worship the Lord, choose the best, and trust Christ. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we do thank you for this, this lesson, really a, a lesson to um, the disciples about some of the things that you disliked, some of the things that you hated, some of the things that you would not put up with. And really, sometimes in our own lives, we can get our own priorities uh, mixed up. And we can begin to think that worship is all about us and how we feel. But really, Lord, we need to remember that worship is about you. Worship is about worshiping you, glorifying you, honoring you with our words, with our hearts, and with our actions. And so, Lord, help that to be the priority of our life. And why, Lord? Because you are our Passover lamb. We don't need anything else, a part of our life, to be right with you. All we need to do is, by faith, believe that the cross is sufficient. That truly you did die for our sins, that you were buried, and that you rose again to prove that you are exactly who you said you were. So, Lord, thank you that we can rest in that promise. Lord, we also pray that as, as a church, you'd help us to stay focused as we move into this next year, as we think about uh, disciples, as we think about Wilton Christian School as well. Help us to have the right uh, priorities. Help us to continue to put you first uh, in our ministry and in our lives. And, Lord, may you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.